This is Swampside Chats, the podcast where communists sit down to shoot the shit about current events, history, political economy, and theory. But fuck all that. Let's talk about Star Trek instead. This is Swamp Trek. Last time on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. We traveled back in time to burn down an RVs and preserve our glorious communist future with Jamie and Andy of the Antifada. As we proceed to quarantine and smoke weed, we give you the second half of our adventure and conversation with Past Tense Part 2. And now the conclusion. Should we go on to the next one? Yeah, as everyone, yeah. everyone have it queued up. Oh, I've been watching it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought that's what we were doing. That right. would be what we were doing if we were all watching on the same platform and we could mm-hmm. count on it all starting at the same time. But okay. I thought this would be a good time for us to just chew on stuff. Most of these Star Trek two-parters, and this goes for all 90s Trek, basically, is that you know your first episode is mostly what you might call a furniture-moving episode. And the second is really when shit goes down. Um, although I love the political commentary throughout the episode. So, um, I'm a big fan of both, but, um, all right, girls and bees and boys countdown. Are we watching the recap or are we starting at like one minute, whatever? Let's just start from zeros, roaring zeros. The universal, like if this was an anarchist meeting, we would have Mm -hmm. consensus that we're starting (laughs) at zero, 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 zero. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right, babes. Ready? Yep. Five, four, three, two, one. Our guard. Energize. Last time on. <laughs> I knew somebody was going to say engage. I wasn't expecting energize. Thank you for that. <laughs> what, Grant? Is engage too leftist for you? <laughs> Not where. When. You ever hear the bell riots? It is one of the most violent civil disturbances. You, you've got like a minute and 20 seconds before anything happens yet. <laughs> yeah. The first week of September 2024. But there's only a few days from now. We all better get tickets for September 2024 in San Francisco. Shit is going to go down. We'll see to that. I still got to LARP this. We do have to LARP this. You're absolutely right about that. It's possible. If and we do need to start organizing now. This place is about to And Dax is looking pretty good, though. I'm going to be wearing that outfit <laughs> and that hairstyle, I think. Pretty fresh. Yeah. It's the only outfit that's really looking sensical in this portrayal of the future. It's the one that's most San Francisco that I can think of. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. At least they got 2020 hot right for somebody. <laughs> Come on, we have to get him up the street. I've waited a long time for this. I mean, Kid Rock would be the same as says he'd have face tattoos. Kid Rock looks like he could own a dispensary. The name is ben. He'd be a SoundCloud rapper. <laughs> he actually does kind of look like a friend of mine. And now the conclusion. Did they just say, and now the conclusion? What do you, yeah. you know it. Get <laughs> it. <laughs> Bernardo, you ain't going anywhere. So I think he was a SoundCloud rapper that was like making money that way somehow, and then the economy collapsed. Think about that. And he had to—he had to live this life of crime. Yeah, I could see uh, if you make him the sort of like crazy zoomer type. Move it! If any of them moves, shoot him. No one's shooting anyone. Yeah, he's like 24 tops. He almost does have this vibe of like. Maybe not. We need them alive. They're the only thing we have to bargain with. You think I didn't know that? He he has this vibe of like when middle class people become lumpen. Mm-hmm. He's a downwardly mobile millennial. Yes. There would be a lumpen person like this, but that's totally what he is. He's a neat. Isn't that what they call him? Yeah. Yeah. He's a taco pro. Nah, I mean, I no. feel like those guys, I don't know, this guy seems like it's gets out of the house more, you know? I get, like, Midwestern vibes off him. If this guy listens to any podcasts, it was Chapo, and then he switched to Come Town and solved it in the Chapo. Shut up! That's enough! I said shut up! 
this man does not listen to a single podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's his problem, really. If only we could civilize him. <laughs> Wait, nah, he's too busy making Xanax rap. <laughs> <laughs> what are little Yachty's politics? I feel like Yachty supports Bernie. One of those guys does, I know for sure. We're seeing that somewhere. I feel like Lil Nas X has good politics. I feel like a lot of them might be Yang people. Baseball. Mm. Glover is. Yeah. You, you could you could do worse. Didn't like Dave Chappelle do a Yang bit too, or do it like a show for Yang or something like that? Nice smell. I think people are overly dismissive of the UBI often on the left and mm-hmm. i think it comes from a place of vulgar workerism and i don't like that i'm talking about like the other people on the majority report uh, and the people who write for jacobin like they're coming from a sock dem perspective they really only examine yang from like a policy perspective of like oh the left has these opinions about ubi as a policy rather than thinking like oh it might be kind of weird if this guy was in charge of the state. Like, I wonder what would happen, which is kind of more, more where I take things when I think about like who I would want to be president. Like, cause I don't, I don't tend to think any of these policies are going to happen, but yeah, you just want someone you can have a beer with. <laughs> It'd be more eclectic than if say Biden won. Yeah. I would listen to the cure with Yang for sure. It's not just them. I'm worried about it's you. Didn't you say Gabriel Bell died when the police stormed the building? Right. But I'm not Bell. No. But we're the only ones who know that. Wow. I do feel like it's not, yeah, Yang is kind of like the black pill candidate, though, you know what I mean? Where it's like, fuck it, <laughs> give me my money, yeah, you know? Like Fedora guy, just give me my thousand bucks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what's useful about Yang is he does kind of, like, talk about things in utopian terms in some way. Like, he talks about, like, kind of moving beyond, like, valuation of human beings by the market. But his solution is just, like, you know, like $1,000 a month. Yeah, and he talks about automation and, like, working less is good. The only reason it's bad is because we need wages to survive. Listen, Yang and I are going to listen to Another Sunny Day together and... I think the, the writers of this show would absolutely support Yang. Like, yeah. Without yeah. This is, this is like yeah. the Yang Gang show. Let's ask uh, Ronald D. Moore. I wonder what Bear would, would support. He'd be a Williamson guy, I think. Chat says Fedora guy is definitely a Yang banger. <laughs> banger, damn. The Fedora guy is not supporting any candidate. He's no, Fedora guy's like, there's an election, <laughs> which that may be the only thing I respect about him. He he's like the kind of guy who says he's going to vote for Trump, but doesn't even do it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I bet they're watching this in China. From what we understand. Why do they sound so surprised? I mean, when you treat people like animals, you're gonna get bit. Let me through. Stop right there. Hey! Who said you could come in here? It's okay, let him in. You know this Guinea? He's a friend. Go join your friends. So do all the guys in his in his gang have like the hat? Like I, th- I feel like like two of them in the background both have fedoras. Like they that's do, just, yeah. Mm. 
So yeah, is, it, prophetic. is this like some Warriors style shit? It's the incel gang. It's Damn. what Fourier was afraid of. They're a roving band of amorous youth who can't get laid. Oh They've turned violent and feral. Do you think the fedora is a dog whistle that they're incels? Jeez. Obviously. A racist dog whistle against incels? It's like an incel clockwork orange. <laughs> I mean, there is a moment. We're just watching later. Joker right now. <laughs> yeah. They're watching Joker and Fight Eye. Many of the district employees fleeing the riot have been reported injured, and several have yet to be accounted for. There's been no official count of injuries among sanctuary residents. However, satellite pictures show a number of possible casualties. We'll have more on this story as information becomes available. This is terrible. I've got to get down there. What are you talking about? My friends are in there. I know they are. Dax using the net reminds me of the great scene in the the Voyage Home movie where Scotty uh, uses like the the 1980s computer. You know, you remember that? He tries to talk to it. He's like, "Hello, computer." I can't wait that long. But hello, computer. And the guy's like, uh, "You should use this," and like hands him the map. I don't belong in there. None of those people do. First officer's log supplemental. Somehow, Cisco, Dax, and Bashir have altered Earth's history. We have no choice but to send an away team into the past to try to find them and correct the changes to the timeline. But this is 20 years later. They have the net. where to look. They predicted the net. In that reheating popsicle episode, they established that TV doesn't last longer for, than like 20 more years or something. It basically, dies in nuclear war. Yeah, you don't want to be watching TV during the nuclear war. I'm surprised it's going to take that long. It's not. It's going to take like Netflix and Hulu. Corresponding with a different time frame. One of them has to be right. We just hope we find the right one before we run out of chroniton particles. Next Generation is so cute. They're like, we don't watch television anymore. We just uh, put on Shakespeare performances with our friends. <laughs> oh, I know. It's like the Mormon heaven from South Park. <laughs> <laughs> just say you broke your nose. <laughs> what we're doing right now is like peak TV. We're watching TV and like talking to our friends, but we're not even in the same room together. We're all just in like different rooms watching. So there's not even that communal aspect of the TV where like your family <laughs> gathers around it or like your friends gather around we're it. We're gathering like, digitally. This isn't this isn't TV, okay? This is Disney Prime Video. This is absolutely Listen, TV. A, a century ago, people would have thought what we're doing right now is pretty 2020. Yeah, absolutely. A century from now, people will think that it's really cute. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, remember when people gathered electronically through the internet to watch TV together? We need to get that sense of community back. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. We just upload to the hive mind now, and it's like you don't even have to watch it together because if one of you's seen it, you've all seen it. Nobody even twitches anymore. <laughs> I mean, listen, I've talked to Jake and Grant more over the last three years than probably a lot of my like friends and family, so you know, I feel feel pretty connected okay i mean i i sometimes feel like the antifada is quaint because we all knew each other in person before we started the podcast a lot of podcasts like everyone just met each other online asked him to help and who invited you oh yeah we still don't know what jake looks like last time i (laughs) yeah you don't even know what jake looks like that means i get to decide who's on the guest list and who isn't yeah sorry i don't i don't have like a i'm like on a like a desktop or whatever so like like look i just imagine jake is that picture of fry from futurama from like that was his first picture on google hangouts yeah when we would record on google hangouts i kind of think of him as the uh, alligator in the swamp side logo yeah. All right, so here's the debate between... Keep them out of my hair. The important thing we have to decide is what we're going to do with those hostages. Don't worry about that. I've got it all figured the out. The vanguard of the lumpen proletariat mm-hmm. and its most regressive instincts. Such a bad guy, I'm going to let you two in on it. Well, this is what I want to ask the Swampside people. Like, what is your impression of the category of lumpen proletariat? Like, We get amnesty, a handful of credit chips, and a flight to anywhere we want. Personally... I'm thinking Tasmania. It doesn't seem like it's this static thing, like this identifiable thing in the Marxist canon. It's not a great category. Look, you guys go where you want, and I'll go where I want, all right? Yeah, and as soon as we step off the plane, they lock us up. It's like a capital-centric, like, point of, we're going to analyze, like, within the relations of production specifically. It's more of a social category. This is an opportunity for us to be heard. 
to let people on the outside know exactly what's going on in here. You want to make demands? I'll give you some demands. We tell them if they want the hostages back, they've got to shut down the sanctuaries. And reinstate the Federal Employment Act. Why don't you have them throw in a couple of silk shirts? I disagree. Maybe a penthouse in Singapore. It's sort of based on this idea of like... You guys want jobs? What are you going to get if there are no jobs? Not for us, anyway. They'll find jobs. They'll have to. After tonight, they won't be able to ignore us anymore. In a market economy, you're not selling your labor power. There's various ways of, like, grift. I think what people get wrong about lumpen proletariat, maybe, is this idea that it's the most concentrated poor. And I think that's even here. You can be relatively well off. You can be more well off than a lot of workers and actually fit what I think Marx's definition of lumpen proletariat would be as kind of like a you know a gangster drug dealer type. What is that definition? You can't dismiss Webb as easily as you or me. He's got the face. He's got the family. He's a guy next door. And that's what they need to see. The critique of lumpen proletariat is that it's like so broad and sweeping that it includes petty exploiters and, and like it has a sort of like moralism built into it. But it also includes, you know, often their victims. It's not that, oh, lumpen equals reactionary or something like that. I used to be a plant manager at Chemtech Industries. If you don't have that wage embeddedness, somebody can come along with... We are holding six hostages. It's like, shit, I'll be part of your mercenary army. We don't want to hurt. What the fuck ever? All we want is it. What happened? Someone cut off our access to the interface. I knew it! I knew this was a waste of time. They don't care. No one cares about us. Why should they? You all a bunch of losers. What is the actual definition? Because I've heard it used colloquially to mean just like the most immiserated people the people who can't get jobs, the people who are poor. And I know that one thing people like about Mao is that he really values the lumpen proletariat as potential contributors to the revolution. The sort of ragged or the naive, you know, proletariat. It's the criminal element that's like incapable of recognizing like collective social interests. It's people that are locked out of, you know, the proletarian wage form that gives a proletariat its identity or people that like, you know, so partially partake in that, that they're not like bought into society in the same way. Sounds a little idealist. The way that Marx and Engels usually talk about them is like, these are the drunken hooligan prostitute idiots who can like never be organized and they'll always align with the upper class because they can just be bought. Yeah, what Marx is saying is generally that, that little... people act on those class interests and people like Bakunin, people like Mao, you know, like are a little more friendly to the lumpen proletariat. Marx follows a lot of the German workers' movement sort of moralism about people locked out of the wage form, as Andy's saying, is usually foaming at the mouth, rather moralistic way. You want to see a hostage? Let's show him a hostage. Take a good look, lady. I've got five more just like her. And if we don't get what we want, they're going to get hurt. Yeah, it sounds a little essentializing, shall we say. The, the way I would defend Marx in that regard is that how we're understanding it now is tautological, because, like, he was talking about those people who wouldn't organize themselves. You see organization amongst drug dealers and sex workers and criminals and whatever. So there is some organization there. But now so if they are organizing, then they're by definition not lumpen. Basically. So that's what's interesting about this episode is because they're all in the sanctuary together. They're all thought of as the same by the outside world. They're all scum and like deserve to be there. But in reality... You're not going to be happy until you've hurt one of those hostages. Parts of them are evil. Parts of them are just crazy. It has crossed my mind. And parts of them are legitimate and, and actual people that can be, like, redeemed. The first mention I can find in Marx anyway in the Communist Manifesto of Lumpen Proletariat, it's here and there thrust into the movement by proletarian revolution. If you don't have that labor relationship to capital, it can go either way. We could quote scripture at each other all day. He trashes them in other places, too. Like, yeah. Well, the proletariat seems to emerge more often in the context of his political writings. Engels describes in his writing about the Irish working class, because he's talking about immigrants in England. Right. He's like, they're these drunken hooligan idiots, and they will never, ever have class consciousness. So it's not simply just the criminals and the bad guys. 
Like in the Communist Manifesto, they say it's the dangerous class, the social scum, the passively rotting mass thrown off by the lowest layers of the old society. That's not very nice. Dangerous class and social scum are how it's translated into English. But um... (laughs) what Marx writes after the commune is that, oh, yeah. All the hookers, you know, went and sniffed out their old masters, like hose mad about the Paris Commune. Yeah, <laughs> like it's a little horfy. Yeah, it's not great. It's a little horphobic. Yeah. Still have five left. Those hostages aren't going anywhere until we get what we want. Which is what? We want the sanctuaries closed and the Federal Employment Act reinstated. It's asking a lot. I don't think so. What we want is to get out from behind these walls, to stop having to depend on handouts. That's right. All we're asking for is a chance to get back on our feet again. We don't deserve to be locked up in here. Marx, like, drifts away from using lump and proletariat, to my knowledge, mm. as a category, like, especially when he gets more into political economy. Like, Yeah, and then he just calls everyone whores. <laughs> That's where the surplus proletariat stuff comes from, which I think is a much more useful Marxian idiom and tradition to be looking at contemporary class dynamics. It avoids a lot of the moralism of lumpen analyses. Grant, I would have to agree with you that like there are these resentments in the proletariat, you know, between people who are trying to make an honest living and those in the hustle predating on people near them. Lumpen proletariat doesn't capture that very neatly. It's based on a old school class analysis where getting paid by the capitalist is cool, but you know, Trying to get some of that surplus from your fellow proletarian is parasitic. I mean, what if you're getting it off of bourgeois classes? Is it okay then? Yes, but it is possible to be parasitic, like on the working. Like you know, there is there is like is. there is social scum. I mean, they do you know they do exist. He was here with you, wasn't he, Bell? We came in together. The Joker social worker lady. She'd actually have a pretty good scene. Like, and I think that. That does kind yeah. of actually tap into one aspect of this, which is kind of like the sort of like nightmare of like capitalist realism and how it's like kind of impossible for people to conceptualize something like being better or whatever. When I first started working here, these characters <laughs> in this world know that shit's really fucked. I processed a woman who had a warrant out on her for abandoning her kid. Did they all react in their own way? She couldn't take care of it. Like, yeah. the asshole cop reacts by being a total nihilist who has no faith in humanity. The Joker lady reacts by trying to do kindnesses for people here and there. I felt so sorry for her. I didn't log her in. I just let her disappear into the sanctuary. Well, that was very kind of you. Almost got me fired when my supervisor found out. They all deal with it in their own way. And it's from the perspective of people from the future who know that things are going to get better, which we don't have. That's like a crazy perspective to have. That's what makes this so powerful. In the words of Monsieur Dupont, pretty much the best way to think of being a pro-revolutionary is you're like a sleeper cell from the future. You have to blend yes. in with society. Monsieur and, Dupont uh, is right again. Yeah, when the bell riots come, you'll know what to do. It's not your fault that things are the way they are. Everybody tells themselves that. That's where you still have, like, the kernel of utopia in this. Nothing ever changes. Because you do have these people from the future who understand that, yes, this is all leaning to something better, you know. Yes, there can be a different kind of world. Yes. But they're as baffled by the intractability of the current situation as anybody, you know. I think what's very redeemable about this negative conception of the lumpen proletariat, because obviously today there's, like, communizers who really fetishize the lumpen proletariat, but there's a negative conception I think what's correct about it is that when there is, like, a revolutionary situation or an autonomous zone or something like that, there's always this, like, plague of banditry and hooliganry and rape and robbing farmers, and Mm -hmm. they just use the vacuum of power to create proto-state bands, mafias. And either they take over and become the state... We are. But you get on my nerves, and I don't like your hat. Now put the gun down! Yeah, you and I can see how tough you really are. Shut up! Or they force the revolutionary force to become a stronger state. Or there's like this like agreement, like in Christiania in, in Denmark, you there's like this, you know, 
idyllic hippie communist village. And then in the middle of it, there's this open air drug market run by like white supremacist bikers, you know, because right. they just yeah. had some recent agreement. But somehow they made Altamont work as an entire city. Gimme's. <laughs> That's such a fun. So Cisco, as Gabriel Bell, is grilling this like shitty reactionary cop like there's the sympathetic cop and then there's this asshole being like yeah you're fucking loser all cisco would have to say to him is being like hey dude um you're a guard uh in an open-air prison for people whose only crime is being poor and a lot of them are children so i don't know who you are to be pointing fingers at who's a loser like (laughs) that's what he's doing right now you don't know what any of this is about do you you work here. You see these people every day, how they live, and you just don't get it. What do you want me to say? Got a feel for them? That they got a bad break? And what good would it do? It would be a start. He's sort of like a half bureaucrat, half cop. Sort of like a normal cop, really, where he's like, yeah, I know what we're doing is wrong, but... It's my job, and you can, like, justify whatever you do that's wrong based on it being your job, but it's not political. He's seen it all before. Oh, this is so cheesy, by the way. The, the 70s. 60s scene. 70s, 70s yeah. 70s. They're on, this, is, this is the hate. This is exactly what the hate's yeah. like. Cure to dance. Yeah, it's uh, still in its traditional form. I'm not picking up any residual electrostatic charge. What? I bought some weed in Christiania. <laughs> I didn't know I was giving my money to Nazis. The Hells Angels are white supremacists, unfortunately. Ooh. Apologies. Was it good weed? No. They're not Nazis. They're just white separatists. If they, they sold you mids, they're Nazis. <laughs> well, I only like Mexican dirt weed, so that's fine. I smoke that uh, shit all day. Legal weed, good weed is too... It makes me feel crazy. So you're from the beep beep lettuce school of no cop shit, only smoke mids? Wow. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, worst case scenario, we're just crazy uh, dims on the street babbling to ourselves about revolution, but yeah. let's hope it doesn't come to that. <laughs> this would be a good time to subscribe. Um, <laughs> support our Patreons, please. <laughs> subscribe to Dim's Pod. <laughs> Dim's Pod. New uh, joint collaboration. New Joshua Clover essay about how the yeah. Dims are the revolutionary <laughs> subject. Well, I mean, think about how Joshua Clover this episode is, right? Riot, uh, strike riot. So much. Well, he would start watching it thinking it was cool, and then he'd be mad at the end. Yeah. Now, that didn't hurt a bit, did it? I managed to find some glucogen in what was left of the clinic. You should be feeling better soon. Thank you. Is that your family? Yeah. Let him see it. He'd be like, what is this liberal bullshit? Yeah, the party of order is the heroic class. People who want to reestablish order as soon as possible. That's like a bunch, huh? There's even like, you know, the, the good police and the bad police. Those two kids are sitting at home wondering if they'll ever see their dad again. Look, I realize this won't make what you're going through any easier, but something good will come from all this. You think they're just going to close down the sanctuary and let you walk out of here? No. But I do know that someday there won't be a need for places like this. I hope you're right. Even though it'll mean I'll be out of a job, I hope you're right. I just want to get home. You know? I know. So do I. The governor assures me that if you let the hostages go, he'll reduce the charges against you to incitement to riot. The mayor is good, but the governor is evil. That's it? This is the mayor, right? What about closing the sanctuary? What about jobs? The governor intends to form a committee to look into the problems facing the district residents. So what you're telling us is that nothing is going to change. Boo. I thought she was like just some cop negotiator Yeah, or I something. thought she was a cop negotiator. Change takes time. You've run out of time. Change takes time. She sounds like fucking Hillary. I would seriously consider taking this offer. Or else what? The governor is not going to let the situation continue forever. Yeah, I love the bit where it's like, we'll get you breakfast, and it's just like egg McMuffin. Yeah, it's a bunch of weird. fucking McMuffins. That's, yeah, th- yeah. That's you know, exactly like, what would happen. Yeah, she chuckles about, that's a lot of takeout. <laughs> Come back with in and out 
Just deliver a pile of You come back to Ponderosa style spread. I want those little heated fucking tin things, you know what I'm saying? Come yeah, back we want with brunch. Brunch. French toast. We want mass brunch. Yeah. Bottomless mimosas for all. I'm always saying we need a communized brunch. I think that's a solid plan. If communism had won, we'd be at brunch right now. This is <laughs> no. literally my pinch tweet. What is this yeah. shit? Like, did the fucking Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like, give her directions? Like, why... <laughs> Grimes knows how to navigate those tunnels because Elon built them for ah, Hypertruck drive in the, <laughs> yeah, the rem- underneath the rem- world. The hyperloop. Bullshit. She She's a 300-year-old with- science officer. I said first, someone who just crawled through the sewers. Girl looks good. Yeah. Yeah. Jadzia's got the look. We were saying before, only, only character in the entire two-part episode who they they actually captured what a 2020 hot would be there has to be catch me in 2024 in september in san francisco in that outfit she's a little bit 2017 to be honest (laughs) it's coming back around seven year cycles yeah she might go to burning man and if he did it oh yeah you see those those forehead tattoo i mean come on Couple of dims just broke. That's like 2020 hot in Chicago or something. <laughs> wow, Andy. Jesus. Damn, that's shade. Let's talk about the outfit. Come on. Savage. I don't know about you. What's oh, his man. name in Little Women? She kind of has that going on. <laughs> yeah, so this is where it's like, in, this is where the case that he's in cell actually kind of. It's the story of my life. All the good ones are taken. You remember my friend, Gabe? Gabriel Bill, good to see you again. Good to see you. Allow me to introduce myself. The yes, ladies. yeah, the first the fiddle college. Hey! I didn't say a word. Yeah, I'm fucking 300 years old. I know a bunch of science shit. <laughs> I'm a programmer. Learned to code. Obviously don't live here. So how did you get in? I managed to recode my ID card so that I could get past the sanitation department checkpoint. You crawled in through the sewers? He's like, you crawled in the sewers? I must really like these guys. They should, um... <laughs> yeah. You must be exhausted. Find you a girl who could do both. Tall girl pride. It's too bad. Aww. I think me and her could have had something special. Shut up, chaser. <laughs> Boo! Even if I could get you out, you wouldn't leave. Those hostages have to be protected, whatever the cost. So he's doing this not because he actually believes in protecting the hostages, but because that's what Bell did. In reality, he wants to murder all of them. Julian. <laughs> but he needs to keep history the same, because people are going to think he's Bell for some reason. on to my distress signal, and we're not together. As soon as the hostages are in police custody, I'll try to make it back to the beam site. If for some reason I can't make it, You'll have to leave without me. Yeah, didn't they have records of what the bell guy looked so, like? Obviously. Even if they did, I think maybe they would have made the same mistake. Well, in the future, when another character is learning about Starfleet history, they look up Gabriel Bell and go, huh, Gabriel Bell looks a lot like Captain Sisko. <laughs> Does that happen in other episodes? All right. Yeah. See if you can get our comm badge back. I'll keep trying to log into the net. Jadzia Dax is one of my favorite Star Trek characters ever. She's from a race called the Trill. That's one problem I might be able to help you with. Trill have to, like, qualify to take on these symbionts that have multiple lives. It's kind of a sacred, like, honored place in society and inherit all of these, like, past lives, basically. It'll take some persuading, but I think I'll do what's right. This is it. The man who took my combat brought me here before they took me to the processing center. Cisco, the series protagonist knew Jadzia back when she was Curzon and was a man, basically. You know, that's the way they think of it. So it's like kind of reincarnation, but it... Hello? It feels real trans to me. Hello? There's nobody here! So I think this scene is like actually really well written in terms of portraying mental illness. Uh, We just want to talk. I agree. Is this guy like Ron Howard's brother or some shit? I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's Clint Howard. Whoosh. I like it that. I'm invisible. The only person who they can tell 
the truth to and have the have him believe it is the crazy guy. Yeah. You can see me? Just barely. That's okay. As long as they can't see me. Who? Well, the aliens. They'll suck your brains out right through your ears. I know. You see, I'm an alien. Jadzia Dax is a trill from the planet Trill. I thought so. But you're a good alien. Right. I'm here to protect the Earth from its enemies. But I need that piece of jewelry you're holding to do it. I understand. Here, you take it. Good luck. Thank you. Shh. Don't tell anyone. I won't. I won't. And he's super paranoid, but he just wants someone to say, look, I'm the good alien. Give me that thing. And he's like, yeah, happy to help. He wants to be of some use. Oftentimes when you meet people who have some kind of delusion thing, the best thing to do is really just to cut to whatever the emotional core of the thing is mm, and kind yeah. of ignore the life specifics. But in this yeah. case, they were telling the truth. It's like only the madmen can see the reality that could be. Yeah, this is where our sleeper cell sugar baby really makes her move. Let me see if I understand what you're asking me to do. You want me to override a government block? Do you want me to unblock? License ...and turn over my channels to a bunch of criminals. They're not criminals. I know that, but they are acting like criminals. They have guns. They have taken hostages. So why do you think they're doing it? Don't you want to know? Don't you think that the public deserves to know? If there is an insurrection and Jack shut it down and then his Burning Man girlfriend was like, no... I am asking you to give those people a voice. You should yeah. give them free speech, too. Sooner or later, the government is going to retake the sanctuary district. And when they do, a lot of people are going to die. And unless the public learns why the sanctuary residents did what they did, all those deaths will be for nothing. You know I'll lose my license. We need hot people to infiltrate the ruling class. But I get great ratings. He's, if we can make the insurrection good business for Twitter. He is literally Elon Musk. Like, he just wants people to like him. Use civil society <laughs> against the state. Hell yeah. I came to San Francisco to work in a brewery, but they laid a bunch of us off because they got some new equipment. And so I ended up here. I've never been in trouble with the law or anything. I don't want to hurt anybody. I just want a chance to work and to live like regular people. I do like how this guy, like, said he got laid off from a brewery, so apparently, like, peak beer passed and left a lot of people out of work. This is the uh, microbrewery bust of uh, 2023. Oh. I think the use of force would be premature at this time. I am aware that there have been disturbances in other sanctuary districts, but we have to think about the hostages. I know I've... Yeah, they're choking on their donuts here because here come the National Guard. Mm-hmm. If you just give me another chance to talk with Webb and Bell. These are like just like the Neo Trots trying to contain the students, but they can't do it. They're too squishy. <sighs> this shit gets pretty real. Governor's made up his mind. Yeah, I mean, the next part's just news footage of what happens all the time now. Yeah, first time I saw that part of the episode, I just fucking sobbed. <laughs> And just lamented what a fucked up experience living in downtown San Francisco was. Now you live in a better place? Eh, I'm living rent-free, let's say. In my head. <laughs> How can you be sure? Because we were just there. And it's nothing like the mid-21st century I read about in school. It's been changed. I mean, Earth history has been through its rough patches, but never that rough. If we limit our search to dates before 2048, how many possibilities does that leave us with? According to my calculations, three. But we only have enough chroniton particles for one more try. Chroniton particles. They only have enough chroniton particles for one more try. Let's hope you get lucky. Pack it up. It's <laughs> mm. my best guess. That's good enough for me. Energize. Cisco. Pick up a combat distress signal. It's Dax. Care to Dax? Dax, do you hear me? 
Kira. Dax, am I glad to hear your voice? Where are you? We're at the corner of Polk and California. I'll meet you there. Are Cisco and Bashir with you? No, I'll explain everything when I see you. The transporter said to automatically retrieve us in about a minute. You better deactivate your combat. Acknowledged. You can reactivate them tomorrow in time for the next beam out. <sighs> Should be interesting. Best ball club I ever saw? 99 Yankees, no doubt about it. Get out of here. The 15 Kings could have taken them any day. Come on. Am I right? I wouldn't know. I prefer tennis. Yeah. There is another bit here, apparently, like... They say like the best team or whatever is like the fifteen and fifteen is like the yeah the fifteen kings or whatever and they won like the World Series. I don't think there's any question. The Kings, fifteen was Buck Bokai's rookie year. That's all they had going for them. But yeah. I guess the Kansas City Royals like actually won that year when they have like a very similar name and they're an actual team. I guess and, like, the Mets. Similar, yeah, similar yeah. colors. Yeah. Well, who's their Buck Bokai? <laughs> I don't know anything about baseball. That was just something I read on the wiki. They did have a Buck Bakai. I can't think of his name right now, but they definitely did. All right, I'm going to look up who that Buck Bakai is. He's got cornrows. I want you in there with them. Make sure they keep their heads down. I'll see if I can find something to block the door. Okay. Is he fat? Because the no, Buck no, Bakai no. actually appears in another episode, and he's, and he's kind of pudgy. Danny, wake up. Come on. It's time for you to go. I want to be here with you. I'll meet up with you later. Tell your mom I love her. And you give your sister a kiss from me, huh? Go on now. Go on. Hey, kid. They were setting it up real hard for this guy to die. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he gives the kid the hat. Like, did they have some kind of, like, relate, you know? Looks good. What's he going to do with the fedora? Does he take it off? Get lost. No, he uh, keeps it on. He hands it down to the child who isn't his child. An exception to contaminating the timeline to end the fedora's reign of terror once and for all. Yeah. <laughs> well, instead, he hands it down as his basically only impression on the next generation as the choppers descend mm. on their... And break down the door. Oh my god. The yeah, activists the... in our chat are now having flashbacks. Yeah. And fuck 12. Cisco literally takes a bullet for the asshole cop. Yeah. It's the prime directive, yeah. Yeah. That's right. He didn't do it because he supports the police. He did it because it's the prime directive. That's a good point. This is team one. The processing center is secure. What's wrong with you people? They could have gotten us all killed. There were rumors you were dead. Do I look dead to you? Our orders were to pacify the building. certainly did a good job. I'm a doctor. Leave him alone. I copy. All right, listen up. There's trouble on 2nd Street. You go pacify 2nd Street. Officer Calvera and I can handle things in here. Give me that. All right, men. Let's move. How is he? Lucky. He'll live. The next time I tell you to stay down, you... Gotcha. What about Webb? The dickhole cop actually turns out to be uh, rather reasonable. Still a dickhole, I mean. But, you know, he's learned something today. Yeah, I guess so. He lets them go in the ends. Gabriel Bell just took a bullet for him. Hey, Gene Roddenberry was a cop. That's true. In uh, probably the worst police force in the United States at the time. Mm. Which one? The Los Angeles police force. Mm. Can you imagine being arrested by, like, Gene Roddenberry, and then it's like, oh, yeah, I got arrested by the Star Trek guy. I would name myself after him, like Trotsky. (laughs) 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 My revolutionary Roddenberry. Roddenberry. How could we have let this happen? The question is, how do we stop it from happening again? So what do we do with him? 
You could let us go. All right. Vin! They saved our lives back there. How can we explain what happened to them? So this is where the, the bureaucrats reveal their change of heart, and they they let them off the hook, and they agree to bring those ration cards back. That confirms that it was Gabriel Bell. We'll switch these for two of the casualties. As far as anybody knows, you both died here. Is that okay with you, Bell? Thanks. My pleasure. Come on, let's get you out of here. Anything else we can do for you? There is one more thing. Name it. Tell people the truth about what happened here. I would have done that anyway. This is really the most unbelievable part of this whole thing for me, yeah. besides all like the time travel oh. and shit, that this guy is going to let them off. Yeah, he's a human being. Supplemental. Upon returning to the present with our missing crew members, we were relieved to discover that the timeline had been restored. That yeah. guess it all worked out in the end. How do you feel? Better. I thought you might like to see this. I found it in the historical database. Yep, Starfleet's back. Through a good riot. Hell yeah. I'm not looking forward to explaining this to Starfleet Command. Well, at least it's a good picture. <laughs> This guy was so mopey all the time. Having seen a little of the 21st century, there is one thing I don't understand. How could they have let things get so bad? That's a good question. I wish I had an answer. Yeah, how did we let things get so bad? Hmm? Hmm? Audience? Hmm? The geist of history for 500. Yeah. <laughs> Right, you'd think in the in the real future they'd just be like, oh yeah, well they existed under a different mode of production than us, of course. <laughs> you know, like I look back at feudalism and I don't like go like, how could they have let feudalism get so bad for those peasants? You know what I mean? It's yeah, it's like, almost like they didn't have a replicator back then. Well, Bashir is something of like a you know prep school boy allegory in what's supposed to be like a we're stretching if we call that society communism because there are some extant forms of class and like Bashir Dr. Bashir is I think sort of represents like someone who's relatively well off they've Accident. kind of been in lower stage communism for a couple hundred years now yeah <laughs> they, they really stalled out but uh Cisco throughout the episode is you know explaining this to Bashir who you know as like a doctor in post-scarcity society he wants to do frontier medicine, but he's sort of naive and has a very hard time throughout the entire episode dealing with how could they have let people get to that level of deprivation? He just, he doesn't understand. Throughout the entire episode, Cisco has to kind of hold his hand and walk him through how terrible it used to be. I mean, at some level, though, I could see walking through certain historical moments where you're just like, what the fuck happened here? You know what I mean? I do feel that way. Coming from like the perspective we have now even if you walk through some of the, like the cities the mongolians like wrecked you'd be like jesus christ you know what i mean if i was looking at a big pile of skulls like i could definitely like analytically go like how do, how do people do this shit that that big pile of skulls it's you know it's a super structural pile of skulls but <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's still it's still there and it's still a bit freaky well, it's always a combination of the kind of dialectic of history and the material forces at play and the development of the modes of production and contingency and individual actions and decisions. Like, yeah, there, the there's that level of structural analysis when you're doing anthropology. But then there's also this, I don't know, I would call it the ethical core of Marxism. I know a lot of people would object to that. That, you know, you're you're looking for, like, you're carrying the torch of the exploited classes of history unavoidably when you're trying to redeem human history from class society. That's one of my favorite parts of the Communist Manifesto even is um, the, the subtle line through the Communist Manifesto mm -hmm. of the proletariat isn't just doing this for the proletariat. They don't know it per se. But right. this is all oppressed people in history yeah. getting their yeah. their moment of redemption, uh, and that's that's actually a really beautiful theme in in the manifesto. 
this is kind of like the imagination of like every communist. You go back into history into uh, April 1917 and you get into a fight and Lenin tries to save your life, but Lenin gets stabbed. You're in Switzerland. And then you have to become Lenin and do everything Lenin did. Oh, boy. But you can't do it any better or any worse. You have to do exactly as history tells you to do because you're not allowed to change history. That's what this episode is. You see what I'm saying? There's a crazy amount of drama that's kind of like not really played on, I think. But doing what Lenin did would be infinitely more complicated than just like taking some bureaucrats hostage for like 12 hours. Yeah, I feel like Gabriel Bell did the right thing. You couldn't really prove that much upon it, except maybe get some better demands. But it wasn't just taking them hostage. What's important about Bell is that he treated the hostages with respect, and that gave them the sympathy. I'm telling you, friends of Gabriel Bell, that's the next, like, semi-anonymous communizer journal. The premise of the episode is he knows enough about Gabriel Bell that he can recreate everything that happens. And that's kind of the neo-Bolshevik fantasy of reading 1917. It's like... I know everything that happened and why it happened, and I'm going to learn my lessons based on it. See, I yeah, feel like I the neo-Bolshevik <laughs> fantasy is like, I'm going to go back and make sure that Trotsky and Bukharin team up and blah, yes. blah, blah. Like, you know, yes, exactly. Well, that's the more understandable side of it. Because when you're talking about, oh, yeah, if you had to go back in time and redo everything Lenin did. I mean, if you've thought about this like a hundred times, you're like, what if we tried to go for like mm. uh you know a big red jihad you know just like try to spread <laughs> communism right off the bat so that we're not so isolated you know what i mean a marxist like, could never do that challenge because we live on <laughs> factuals yeah yeah no they'd be like hmm the, the laboratory of history you say yeah exactly people would be like hmm how can i play with legos with this situation well, how yeah. can we make global communism actually succeed? That's the million-dollar question, right? Team up with Mac now? It's also an open question to what extent, like, agency operates in history. You know, like, there's a sort of necessity versus, you know, how much agency do we actually have? How much could they have tipped the situation with a different political strategy? It's impossible to say, but it's an interesting thing to ponder, you know? Mm -hmm. And if you're yeah. going to try and, like, pick up the pieces and, like, the remnants of the different, like, failed revolutions of the 20th century, those are questions you kind of have to ask. Yeah. yeah, and this episode has a pretty clear answer to that. If one person dies, the whole thing is different. Unless like, there's a guy that looks like him and knows what to do. Or like yeah, yeah, somebody else much. does the same thing. We call it like the Jones riots or something. But in the show, if that one guy wasn't there, you know, mm -hmm. if they were more bumbling time travelers and couldn't pull that off, they would have just erased the Federation from history. The implication is like Nietzsche's eternal return, where we need to live ethically in every moment as if every moment would recur eternally, and we would just have to deal with that forever, um, instead of just treating every moment like something to just be thrown away that doesn't matter, which is an incredibly political observation. I think I've seen uh, posters to that effect. <laughs> Maybe what with posters? a kitty cat on them. Yeah, live every day as if it will eternally recur. <laughs> Like a sunrise, yeah. Because <laughs> I guess what Bell offers in this situation is that he stabilizes it such that it's capable of being, like, turned into some kind of political statement and not just, like, some kind of lumpen proletariat revenge fantasy against, like, the jailers or whatever. You know, it gets turned into something that has, like, a meaning for the wider society. There's something even to us now about the fact that, you know, when you look back at the Paris Commune, for example, right? So the Paris Commune, didn't successfully turn France into a free association of producers. But the fact that they showed the restraint that they did with their prisoners, for example, in contrast to the fears liberal government, right? You had the right. liberal government came in and just tried to kill fucking everybody and killed their prisoners and all that shit. Whereas the commune was like very reluctant to, to harm anybody that they captured and they burned the guillotine in public and all of that. And we can now look back at the commune and absolutely amazing inspiration of what working people can do. And I don't necessarily think I'd be like scolding the commune if they killed more people or something like that. But I, it, it's interesting to think of, you know, that if things had been done differently in different historical situations, like, yeah, it would it would make a difference at, at how we looked back at it. And that, that there could be some kind of 
cumulative effect. I, I think in this episode, you know, to, to reduce it to one man, one person, that kind of thing, that's a plot device. But I think well, there's, yeah. a, there's the truth as well. Mm-hmm. That human agency matters. People don't choose the history that they live in, but they choose their decisions within that context. Yeah. Oh, God. I'm reminded of the other day on the majority report when I wanted to say something really badly, but didn't because I know not to interrupt Sam when he's on one of his anti-war rants now. (laughs) (laughs) He was on MSNBC with this guy, Steve Schmidt, who uh, was most recently working for Howard Schultz. Remember that guy? (laughs) And he was talking about war with Iran. Like it's basically a done deal now. These things just happen in history. One event leads to another. And there's nothing that anyone can do about it. And Sam was like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? These are decisions being made by human beings. Things don't just happen as if by magic. And uh, I wanted to say, you know what? You're both right. I don't know if Steve Schmidt knows exactly why he's right. I don't think he is a Marxist with like a material analysis or like world systems theory or anything, but it's, it's both, guys. You're being moved along by these larger fucking forces at the same time. People have individual free will and there's a ton of contingencies. But I didn't say that because I would probably have gotten yelled at. <laughs> Don't go breaking so, a perfectly good self-reinforcing non-debate with your both of these things are true. Jeez, <laughs> you know, being able to take easy sides on an issue like that is, uh, I don't know, it's very important to people. He's trying to inspire people to stand up against the war, which is a noble goal. And in order to do that, you need to convince them that they can, that people have agency and they have an impact over what happens in the world. And he's not necessarily wrong. So maybe that isn't the best time to bust out all the stuff I just learned about Rosa Luxemburg's theory connecting capitalism to war and imperialism because of uh, the accumulation of surplus value. Maybe it is. Or maybe it is, but historically it has not been. You have a point there that, you know, emphasizing just this rah-rah message of like, we're all going to come together like it's a Star Wars movie. I don't know. It's just... uh... It, there's there's a lot more going on. Yeah, let's get more realistic and get back to the Star Trek episode that will tell us what happens in four years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of scary accurate, I gotta say. Yeah. I mean, they just predicted things would get worse. You know, that's that seems to be a winning bet these days. <laughs> and in the 90s, this came out in the 90s, right? Like, mm-hmm. they were living at the end of history where, like, everything's fine and we just need to, like, steer the ship in the forward-facing direction and just make a few tweaks here and there. And th- this show is like, no, that is not what's going to happen. That is what's impressive, yeah. They recognize in the homelessness around them in L.A. that this was like a vision of the future. Like it was going to get worse and worse. Politicians' only solution for it was to make concentration camps. And they had this idea that if the worst elements of society rose up, it would inspire this broader sympathy, newfound solidarity against like killing them as a solution. But then World War Three comes and wipes them all away. So Again, also probably very prescient. Yeah. Deep Space Nine in particular, really draws out my favorite thing about the Trek mythos is that, you know, everything ends up really cool in a post-scarcity utopia and we're like spacefaring, chilling with space comrades after eugenics wars and nuclear holocausts and stuff. Like, so it kind of does justice to a lot of the, you know, extreme apocalyptic fears that people had and even like brought them up in a time when, it was ideologically like unpopular. I guess, you know, the mid nineties is when the end of history really seems to not be working out like everybody planned. It's a 20 years plus later that says, you know, capitalism isn't going to overcome its social contradictions. Are you crazy? Within its own context. I mean, maybe social contradictions, you know, lead to a transformation, but that within that self-contained mode of production, like, no, that the, the triumph of history isn't going to do that. Right. Uh, I think we need to read Fukuyama, coming. by the way. I, I really think we should read <laughs> Fukuyama's End of History. Oh, yeah? I think that'd he was be a fun totally one. right about everything. 
I think Fukuyama maybe gets caricatured. I haven't read very much Fukuyama myself, but I think there's this caricature because, like, rightly so, people are like, end of history, fuck you. I'm curious to, like, dive into it myself just yeah. because now the guy's saying socialism should come back, and, and apparently he leaves some room for ambiguity in, in this famous essay. So I want to take a look at it. Yeah, well, he admitted he was wrong. I give him credit for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Most people yeah. would just double down, and they have, like, fucking Steven Pinker or whoever. The stuff he came up with as a result to replace is, like, actually stupider, so, you know. <laughs> the interesting about looking at history through a Star Trek narrative is, like, obviously for them there's history. They're living in, like, what, 2360 or something? Yeah. So they look mm-hmm. back and they see all that history, and they know what happened, and they know about Gabriel Bell, and they know about World War Three, and they know about First Contact, and we don't know about that. The concept of the end of history that we all revile is this idea that what's going on now is just going to continue forever. It's right. going to just be continued capitalist expansion and immiseration in proportion. And that's ridiculous. Of course, that's not going to happen forever. Yeah. Listen, yeah. Fukuyama low, low. is shorthand for like neoliberal ideological victory. The post Cold War, like, hey, we fucking won. Right. Capitalism forever. It's like, uh, you know, Austin Powers when he wakes up, capitalism. Yay. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I do worry that we're wrong about that and that capitalism will continue to find ways to adapt and expand and perpetuate itself, even as more and more people are. You're shaking your head. Just the more I read of Posadas, I don't think so. The more you read of Posadas, I was going to (laughs) say, read the bastards themselves, I think is the most reassuring thing, right? Because what is something like low growth a euphemism for? (laughs) Declining rate of growth. Andy got aquamarine pilled. I can see it in his eyes. <laughs> Basas wasn't right about a lot of things, but I think he was right about the aliens and nuclear war. Yeah, I think we can all agree on that. Uh, can we? Oh, wow. So we do know what happens in the future, and it's basically the plot to Star Trek. There you so. go. Yeah. Uh, that's so depressing. Yes. Like Posadist fantasy. Your typical alien invasion movie, except then the people on the ufo and it's like totally like your circle ufo watch battleship potemkin and then they have a mutiny <laughs> right like, that grant shit, dude. S- submit a script to star trek they're right it on specs they're soliciting scripts right now i didn't know they were still making new star treks yeah, yeah. and then there's the orville yeah. jamie have you heard of seth mcfarland's oh god star the trek orville show? doesn't count <laughs> oh oh my god no, you'd think it would be Family Guy in space, but it's actually good. Really? That's a hot take, Grant. Let's check that out. Have you seen it? Nope, I'm talking out of my ass. But have you seen Star oh. Trek Discovery? Because uh, it's a mess, but season three looks like it's going to be great. I have not seen Star Trek Discovery, but have you seen Star Trek Just the Ships? Just the Ships? No. Star Trek Just the Ships. What is it? What it's is exactly that? what it sounds like. Somebody yeah. did an edit. <laughs> they actually did several edits of every Star Trek movie so that you are only watching <laughs> the ships. Mm. They edit out all the people, all the dialogue. It's just ships. And it is the perfect thing to watch when you're coming down from acid. Wow. <laughs> well, you, you know what, though? Like the ships always strike me as kind of characters in a way. So that sounds really moving. Great. I recommend it. Okay. That is the Star Trek that I have watched the most of. I'm not embarrassed to say. Just the ships. I guess, you know, we could do closing remarks. Listen to Prolet Cult, the Antifada side project, where I talk about sci-fi and futurism. Fuck yeah. And listen to the Antifada, the Antifada's main project. It is also good. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And Vampire Um, Castle. And Vampire Castle. And Vampire Castle. A side project of the Antifada as well, as well as History is a Weapon. If that we sounds work- complicated, if you subscribe to Antifada, all of those things are mm-hmm. the, just download in the same feed. Patreon.com slash the Antifada. Thank you. Right. I'm so bad at this. <laughs> also, check out the Emancipation Network show called Jumpsuit Utopia. Andy, Jamie, you're all welcome to come on that if you want. I thought you were kidding. I, I didn't know you were actually doing that. That's awesome. I we're totally doing that. Yeah, I definitely want to be on one, please. Yeah, yeah, totally come on board. Just recording a bunch to get in the can first. Political, like Star Trek episodes, mostly 90s Trek at the moment, but we'll branch out. Yes. 
That's uh, Sophia, who's been on some of the from Alpha to Omega. Wait, so is this your Star Trek side project? Side project? Oh yeah, this is uh, <laughs> you know the Family Matters to Swamp Treks. Uh, you know whatever <laughs> that show was called. <laughs> the uh, the Fraser to Swamp Treks. Cheers. If your side project has a side project, you just might be on Swamp Side Chats. That's right. <laughs> Was that like a, a Jeff Foxworthy like podcast like joke? <laughs> I've been doing it so much lately and I can't stop. Jeff Podworthy. <laughs> you might be on Swampside. Just might be on Swampside Chats, communist podcast. <laughs> I'm going to text I'll Jake stop. right now, Jeff Podworthy. And I feel like that's a character he's going to run with. Oh my God. He can have that. I want him to. Thanks for coming out, everybody. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for stopping by. That's the end of this chat. Again, thanks to Jamie and Andy at the Antifada for their participation and patience while I wrangled this conversation into an artisanal watch-along commentary. Because they're so labor-intensive, I'm probably not going to be doing another Swamp Track. Well, unless we can troll, like, John Zerzan or Ted Kaczynski into watching a glittering techno-utopian future fantasy with us, that'd be pretty funny. <laughs> As for our High Theory series with the Antifada, there's still more to come there. Uh, wait a second, I'm being hailed. Esri here. Reading you loud and clear, comrade. Esri out. Well, it seems that Andy just dropped a book on Weed Number Day, nice, entitled I Want to Believe, Facadism, UFOs, and Apocalypse Communism on Pluto Press. I know I'll be ordering a copy with some of my Trump bucks, so I encourage our listeners to check it out to hasten the coming of the Space Comrades and advance the Roddenberry timeline, as is our role here in the 21st century. And remember, if you like what we do here, give a visit to our Patreon at patreon.com slash swampsidechats. We're now also taking donations directly from our SoundCloud page. Or if you're broke as fuck because capitalism just destroyed itself while we were sitting here watching Star Trek, Just put in the good word for us with friends and randos you're texting and Zoom chatting with. Swampside Chats is part of the Emancipation Podcast Network and Research Collective. Check out our sister podcasts from Alpha to Omega, General Intellect Unit, Jumpsuit Utopia, and Mortal Science, my new project with C. Derek Varn, at emancipation.network. General Intellect Unit was just on from Alpha to Omega discussing how to do planning in communism if you're not a tanky. And a bunch of us have been reading Marx's classic, The 18th Brumaire of Louis Bonaparte, in the latest from Alpha to Omega reading series. As for Swampside, we've got a bunch of exciting episodes in the can and should be on a more regular bi-weekly schedule from here on out. Also, on the Sundays when we don't record... We've been doing some Zoom chats, so keep your eyes peeled for those if you're interested in shooting the shit with Jake, Grant, and yours truly. Thanks for bearing with us during this trying time, and remember, keep your boots clean, your feet out of the swamp, and your head in the revolutionary clouds of tomorrow. Tomorrow.